Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are rallying a bit this morning, putting aside overnight losses on Wall Street. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, TGIF, Ryan Wong. Happy Friday, Michelle. Let's start the morning with Amazon, one of the so-called Magnificent Seven stocks. It's powered Wall Street to big gains during the first half of the year. Amazon is reporting earnings this morning, and they do not disappoint, at least not overall. The picture is a little different if you look at some of its units. The tech giant grossed 143 billion US dollars during the third quarter of the year, and that is 13% higher than a year earlier. So what is powering Amazon's business? Yeah, so as you imagine, Amazon has a couple of things going on. You've got first, the big part is cloud, and you've got e-commerce. The cloud part is seeing some bright spots accelerating from a pretty bad 2022. So it is bouncing back this year, um, reflected in the third quarter results again. So that's a bright spot for Amazon. The not so bright spot is that it's warning that the consumer is starting to hold back on spending. And that's not good news for its e-commerce side of things, where we are heading into the holiday quarter. And that's when we have um, got the Black Friday sales, and the holiday sales generally. So that's going to be a big indicator for not just Amazon, but the wider US economy, how much people are going to be spending. That's it. So Amazon Web Services missed the top line, but investors still seem to be pretty happy overall with Amazon's results. The tech giant reported its earnings after Wall Street's closing bell, and in the after-hours trade, Amazon shares are up more than 5%. It is worth noting, Intel is doing even better. Intel shares are up 7.6% on strong earnings, and news that the company plans to cut $3 billion in costs this year. Let's turn now to the U.S. and Singapore economies, take a big picture view. For months, actually more like a year and a half now, the big question about whether the U.S. economy, uh, whether the Fed could rein in inflation in the U.S. economy without causing a recession in the U.S. economy was sort of the central question we, we were asking. If we look at the latest GDP figures, what is the verdict on how the Fed is doing? Yeah, for the most part of the past year or so, it's been a case of good news for the economy is bad news for markets. And I think this is where we are seeing this come through again for the third quarter. We did get good news. Uh, the good news came in the form of a 4.9% growth rate for GDP. That was slightly above expectations of 4.7% and more than double what we got in the previous quarter, which was 2.1%. So if you have a hotter-than-expected economy, it means the Federal Reserve might need to keep rates higher for longer. So not great news for stocks and some businesses who have to refinance or borrow money. So that's going to be something to keep in mind. You have the economy doing well. Uh, perhaps also a reflection, at least the consolation here is mm -hmm. a reflection of how the U.S. consumer is powering the economy, continuing the power, and maybe continue down into the fourth quarter to continue to spend. So you have that part of the equation to consider, but bear in mind the third quarter GDP numbers are backwards looking. Uh, so to some extent, um, there is a limit to what is going to drive markets from the third quarter GDP. Uh, a lot of it will have to come down to the more 
forward-looking indicators. The Fed has increased rates 11 times since March last year from a low close to zero to more than five and a quarter percent now. But the U.S. economy continues to exhibit strong growth. That's right, 4.9 percent in the third quarter of the year. That's its fastest pace since 2021. And you would think those higher rates would discourage home buyers. But I see a headline this morning that says new U.S. home sales are defying gravity. What's the latest here? Yeah, so we talked about the GDP numbers and what people were spending on included cars, restaurant meals, traveling, concert tickets, sports events, and so on. Um, And to some extent as well, housing. But there is a bit of a line to draw here. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are getting builders to build or construct their homes, not so much getting it from the resale market. So that is an interesting perspective because if you think about it, if someone's going to be selling their houses, they need to buy a new house. And maybe they are a bit wary of the refinancing rates or mortgage rates right now. So that's something that is perhaps weighing on the resale market. But for newly built homes, that is going up in September, 12.3% higher to around 759000 in that month. And if you look at the resale home figures, that is going the other direction. So you have a bit of a divergence of sorts. As I mentioned at the top of the segment, the Fed's key interest rate currently running at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. The prime interest rate here in Singapore is about the same. And if you thought that this was high, well... You haven't been to Turkey in a while, have you? The central bank there has just hiked rates again. How high are these rates? Yeah, talk about a rate hike. (laughs) We are talking about (laughs) the interest rates in Turkey at 35%, being raised from 30%. So it is quite hefty. And this is on the back of an earlier 500 basis point rate hike, Mm. which is pretty much the same magnitude um, in September. So... This is in context with the inflation problem that Turkey has been facing for quite some time, plus the problem that they have dug themselves into a bit of a hole as well. So normally in conventional economics, when you have high inflation, you hike rates to temper it. But Turkey for quite some time has been lowering rates to fight inflation. Controversial policy. So it can have... um, uh, a, a situation where you make inflation worse because it means people are able to spend more and typically if you spend more, you will raise prices and that feeds into inflation. Well, will these hikes help Turkey uh, lo- increase its ability to enter positive territory, sustain investor optimism, maybe keep the sovereign dollar bond spreads near multi-year lows. Up till a few months ago, Turkey's central bank, under pressure from President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, had a loose, controversial monetary policy, but then inflation got out of hand. And it's forecast to hit 60% by the end of the year. Let's keep that in mind. Back to Singapore, where the economy is growing much slower than the US, around 0.7%. The latest stats present a mixed picture, really. Retrenchments are on the rise. Factory output is falling. A couple of silver linings to talk about. What stands out for you when you look at the latest economic data? Yeah, when I was looking at data, I was bracing for a bit of a slowdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bit of a mixed bag. Glass half full and half empty, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. So we are looking at a drop. In fact, it marks 12 straight months of declines. 
The better news is that the decline was smaller than what we were bracing for, which was 4.5%. It came in at 2.1%. So a bit of a bright spot coming in from a not-so-bad electronics sector. So that seemed to help support a better reading for that month. Um, so the wider look around the region is the China slowdown has been dragging down exports and of course the worries about the economy, the cost of living and so on has been weighing on export numbers. Mm. So that has been the worry going into these prints, the manufacturing output. But it does look like perhaps there is an encouraging sign that things are starting to ease up a bit in terms of the slowdown. Yeah, speaking of encouraging signs, more than 4,000 people were retrenched during the third quarter. And for the first nine months of the year, nearly twice as many people lost their jobs compared with all of 2022. So that is not great. But the unemployment rate is still quite low, about 3% for citizens. And the Ministry of Manpower says that most people who are retrenched are able to find new jobs quickly. Are there any other silver linings in the latest economic data, Ryan? Yeah, so the jobs part is also, I guess, a case of glass half full and half empty. So you have retrenchments climbing in the third quarter. Um, But maybe it's going to ease up as well. Uh, You have the highest number of quarterly retrenchments since the fourth quarter of 2020. So a bit of a stuck milestone there. Um, But going forward, maybe we could have more targeted measures to help with um, some of the segments, especially when you look forward to the budget that is going to be coming soon. Um, That is something I will be looking forward to, more help for the vulnerable and needy. So I would be taking that as a glass half full. Well, on the topic of silver linings, we talked yesterday about UOB's quarterly results and we noted the bank's profits are mixed depending on whether or not you take charges related to its regional expansion into account. I've had time to take a closer look at UOB's report card and something else has jumped out at me. Call it the Taylor Swift effect. Swift's tie-up with UOB has propelled the bank's credit card business to record levels. Just how much is UOB making from the tie-up? Yeah, so I think we all saw this coming. Lots of people queuing up for Taylor Swift. And for those who wanted to jump the queue, so to speak, would have gotten a UOB credit card to get the pre-sales. So let's take a look at those pre-sales numbers. How much have they helped UOB to some extent? Um, Credit card, that business for UOB jumped 89%. 89% oh, to a record $104 million. Plus, card fees accounted for nearly a fifth of net fee income in those three months. So a fifth, that's around 20%. That is higher than the roughly 10% or so in the same period last year. So definitely, there is a bounce in card fees. Maybe you could say it's Taylor Swift. Mm. Uh, guess what? We could see more to come because... Is CEO Wee Chong is saying, hey, we are going to be looking at this very closely to see how we are going to tap into this space of lifestyle lifestyle offerings and also concerts. In fact, today is the start of the pre-sale for Ed Sheeran if you have a UOB card. So that was another um, kind of um, positive milestone or positive uh, event that he flagged as well. Yeah. So, you know, companies are realizing that Music tie-ups with huge stars can be leveraged incredibly. UOB's card business jumped nearly 90% to more than $100 million. That is an impressive Swifty bounce, I have to say. Are you a fan of Ed Sheeran? I was going to ask you, did you get your Taylor Swift tickets eventually? I know.
Yeah, but just yesterday I was talking to somebody and uh, he said, oh, m- oh, a friend of mine did manage to get tickets. And I said, how on earth? Because I was, you know, Ryan, five minutes late. I'm a UOB customer, five minutes late to the line. And I was number 1,500,075 or something like that. And uh, a friend said, yeah, she, her, she had bought a ticket through Kluk. Uh-huh. So that was a website that also bundles hotel stays. Maybe you have to get a hotel stay. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Uh, all right. I, I think I'll just gun for those Ed Sheeran tickets for a while. Let's take a look at overall markets at 18 minutes past nine. The S&P 500 finished lower for the ninth time in 11 sessions overnight. It dropped 1.2% and is nearly in correction territory of close to 10% from its August peak. The tech-heavy Nasdaq doing even worse. It finished down 1.7% overnight and it's already in a correction. Let's look at corporate news. Are we doing up or down style. Let's start with JNT Global Express. They're a Hong Kong Korea company. Yeah, so this is a company that seems to be in a pretty good spot if you buy stuff online. Sometimes JNT ships it to your home and it does look like there is a demand for its IPO. It's oversubscribed. So the company is looking to raise as much as $520 million from its IPO. Mm-hmm. And so far, orders from investors have exceeded the shares offered for sales by about 1.4 times and for local buyers and for offshore buyers, that's 1.9 times. So a lot of demand for JNT. JNT, Global Express, they provide delivery services for online stores like Shein and Pinduoduo and it is going public in Hong Kong today. This is the second biggest IPO of the year there. It is expected to raise half a billion US dollars for the company and turn its founder, Jet Li, Lee Jet Jai, mm. I should say, Lee Jet Jai into a billionaire. So a bit of trivia. So mm. JNT, in Chinese, the company's name is T2, which means speedy rep. So ah. I think along the way, D2 became JNT. Well, it's an up for me for the company that's unpronounceable for me, Jet and the company. Let's look at Google, or should I say Grandpa Google? <laughs> I'm not sure about <laughs> calling it Grandpa Google. It makes me feel a bit old. <laughs> so um, the story here is how Google has been you know, under scrutiny because of its, its perceived... Um, unfair advantage it has in terms of dominating the market share for search. Um, But in its defense, its senior vice president responsible for various products like search ads and commerce came out to say, hey, many younger folks are calling it Grandpa Google because they are turning to other options to do their search. And also in apps as well, within apps, they have their own search engines or search capabilities. So people are not using as much Google as before, according to him, in defense of what could be more regulatory restrictions on Google. So I'm not sure where he is getting this from, Grandpa Google. Uh, This emerged in the antitrust trial, right? So we heard the company's search lead testifying that young users uh, tend to make fun of Google, calling it Grandpa Google. So this is... Google in the midst of its biggest Mm. antitrust trial in 25 years. Google executives say that its success is tenuous because young people, you know, a whole generation are are looking at different sources when they search. So they're downplaying Google's dominance essentially in this trial, saying the company faces strong competition all around. I'm not sure how this antitrust trial is going to play out, but I will give Google an up for poking fun at itself and 
you know, turning itself into a meme today. Yeah, I'm sure lawyers in the case will be Googling for stuff. Everyone's going to be using <laughs> Google. So I am not sure where he got the term from. I've never heard of Grandpa Google before. <laughs> I've been using Google Lens quite a bit in my searches. And I have to say, you know, most of us spend a lot of time... Uh, Google has become a verb. Those AI bot things that do the searches for you. The spider, um, what do we call them? Crawlers? Yeah, 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 yeah. You spend a lot of time there. Next up, locally listed Wilma International. Is it up or down, right? Yeah, more earnings to chew on and it is going to be a down for Wilma in the third quarter. Profit is down 59% to $430 million. Mm-hmm. A couple of familiar uh, narratives here. Narrowing margins, higher costs. So, the refining margins are being compressed from the tropical oils business. It's also seeing weaker performance in its fertilizer operations. So that's not great news as it eats up its profitability. Next up, let us look at Sheng Xiong. If I'm not on air, I'm likely at Sheng Xiong. <laughs> Sheng Xiong has you to thank for its third quarter <laughs> because its profit is up 5.7% to $34.8 million. So it is seeing well, people going to Sheng Xiong despite all the competition it's getting from elsewhere. Uh, but Sheng Xiong is expecting challenging economic and geopolitical conditions to linger. It also flagged climate risks from the onset of the El Nino weather pattern which may cause things like food prices to go up and stuff like supply chain issues. So margins may get impacted if these higher costs have to be taken on by Sheng Xiong. Sheng Xiong still looking great in the supermarket wars. It netted nearly $35 million from July to September and that is about 5% better than a year earlier. So I will give Sheng Xiong an up even though its share price is down 11% this year. All right, our last word of today goes to Jay-Z. You may have 99 problems. I'm going to give you one more. Uh, there's a debate going on online, and this question is going viral, okay? For some time now, uh, Jay-Z, the rapper, the record producer, the entrepreneur, the deal maker, Beyonce's husband, uh, the question circling around him is, would you rather have dinner with Jay-Z or receive 500000 Dollars. Assuming that you were answering in the voice of a female, Ryan, what would you choose? I would probably take the money. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Jay-Z. Uh, what am I going to do at lunch? But I suppose there are super fans who uh, might be willing to fuck out of cash. What would you do, Michelle? I'd have dinner with Jay-Z. Oh, why would you want to have dinner? Because $500,000 wouldn't give me bragging rights like that uh, for life. I suppose. Uh, I could brag about having f- half a million dollars though. <laughs> that goes really fast in my book. So, dinner with <laughs> Jay-Z. Okay. <laughs> that allows me a long time in Sheng Xiong. Uh, Jay-Z has weighed in on the question. You know that he cut some great deals. He's really well known for building a business empire. And he says, if I were you, I'd take the money. Yeah, so this is in the context of how there's been a meme going on, uh, comparing him and then the sum of money and then somehow internet went viral with it and there's been a discussion over the years, what would be the better choice? Self-deprecating, I like that. Take the money, he's implying he's boring. Jay-Z's real name is Sean Corey Carter. 
That's certainly something I would bring up in our conversation. How did he become Jay-Z? How did everything in his life change? I guess I'd like to meet him because I'd like to turn it into a show for you guys. Okay. Sounds like an interview. You should just call him up. <laughs> I should. Uh, he's so much to share, everything to teach, but he says it's all in his music. So maybe spend ten ninety nine on an album instead. All right. We should be playing his music right now. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on Market View. He's Ryan Huang, rocking a new haircut, I have to say. Ah, thank you. Thank you. And have a... Uh, great weekend in advance, Michelle. Thank you, you too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.